the autobiography of goethe volume one by johann von goethe translated by john oxenford section four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1, by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section 4. First Book, Part 2. Having once entered upon this circuit, we did not fail to repair to the cathedral, and there visit the grave of that brave Gunther, so much prized both by friend and foe. The famous stone which formerly covered it is set up in the choir the door close by leading into the conclave remained long shut against us until we at last managed through the higher authorities to gain access to this celebrated place but we should have done better had we continued as before to picture it merely in our imagination for we found this room which is so remarkable in german history where the most powerful princes were accustomed to meet for an act so momentous in no respect worthily adorned and even disfigured with beams poles scaffolding and similar lumber which people had wanted to put out of the way the imagination for that very reason was the more excited and the heart elevated when we soon after received permission to be present in the city hall at the exhibition of the golden bull to some distinguished strangers the boy then heard with much curiosity what his own family as well as other older relations and acquaintances liked to tell and repeat namely the histories of the two last coronations which had followed close upon each other for there was no frankfurter of a certain age who would not have regarded these two events and their attendant circumstances as the crowning glory of his whole life splendid as had been the coronation of charles the seventh during which particularly the french ambassador had given magnificent feasts at great cost and with distinguished taste the results were all the more afflicting to the good emperor who could not preserve his capital munich and was compelled in some degree to implore the hospitality of his imperial towns although the coronation of francis i was not so strikingly splendid as the former one it was dignified by the presence of the empress maria theresa whose beauty appears to have created as much impression on the men as the earnest and noble form and the blue eyes of charles the seventh on the women at any rate both sexes vied with each other in giving to the attentive boy a highly favourable opinion of both these personages all these descriptions and narratives were given in a serene and quiet state of mind for the peace of aix-la-chapelle had for the moment put an end to all feuds and they spoke at their ease of past contests as well as of their former festivities the Battle of Dettingen, for instance, and other remarkable events of bygone years, 
and all that was important or dangerous seemed as generally happens when a peace has been concluded to have occurred only to afford entertainment to prosperous and unconcerned people half a year had scarcely passed away in this narrow patriotism before the fairs began which always produced an incredible ferment in the heads of all children the erection in so short a time of so many booths creating a new town within the old one the roll and crush the unloading and unpacking of wares excited from the very first dawn of consciousness an insatiable act of curiosity and a boundless desire for childish property which the boy with increasing years endeavoured to gratify in one way or another as far as his little purse permitted at the same time he obtained a notion of what the world produces what it wants and what the inhabitants of its different parts exchange with each other these great epochs which came round regularly in spring and autumn were announced by curious solemnities which seemed the more dignified because they vividly brought before us the old time and what had come down from it to ourselves on escort day the whole population were on their legs thronging to the fargasser to the bridge and beyond the sachsenhausen all the windows were occupied though nothing unusual took place on that day the crowd seeming to be there only for the sake of jostling each other and the spectators merely to look at one another for the real occasion of their coming did not begin till nightfall and was then rather taken upon trust than seen with the eyes the affair was thus in those old unquiet times when every one did wrong according to his pleasure or helped the right as his liking led him traders on their way to the fairs were so wilfully beset and harassed by waylayers both of noble and ignoble birth the princes and other persons of power caused their people to be accompanied to frankfurt by an armed escort now the burghers of the imperial city would yield no rights pertaining to themselves or their district they went out to meet the advancing party and thus contests often arose as to how far the escort should advance or whether it had a right to enter the city at all but as this took place not only in regard to matters of trade and fairs but also when high personages came in times of peace or war and especially on the days of election and as the affair often came to blows when a train which was not to be endured in the city strove to make its way in along with its lord many negotiations had from time to time been resorted to and many temporary arrangements concluded though always with reservations of rights on both sides the hope had not been relinquished of composing once for all a quarrel that had already lasted for centuries inasmuch as the whole institution on account of which it had been so long and often so hotly contested might be looked upon as nearly useless or at least as superfluous 
meanwhile on those days the city cavalry in several divisions each having a commander in front rode forth from different gates and found on a certain spot some troopers or hussars of the persons entitled to an escort who with their leaders were well received and entertained they stayed till towards evening and then rode back to the city scarcely visible to the expectant crowd many a city knight not being in a condition to manage his horse or keep himself on the saddle the most important bands returned by the bridge gate where the pressure was consequently the strongest last of all just as night fell the nuremberg post-coach arrived escorted in the same way and always containing as the people fancied in pursuance of custom an old woman its arrival therefore was a signal for all the urchins to break out into an ear-splitting shout though it was utterly impossible to distinguish any one of the passengers within the throng that pressed after the coach through the bridge-gate was quite incredible and perfectly bewildering to the senses the houses nearest the bridge were those therefore most in demand among spectators another more singular ceremony by which the people were excited in broad daylight was the piper's court it commemorated those early times when important larger trading towns endeavoured if not to abolish tolls altogether at least to bring about a reduction of them as they increased in proportion with trade and industry they were allowed this privilege by the emperor who needed their aid when it was in his power to grant it but commonly only for one year so that it had to be annually renewed this was effected by means of symbolical gifts which were presented before the opening of st bartholomew's fair to the imperial magistrate schultheiss who might have sometimes been the chief toll-gatherer and for the sake of a more imposing show the gifts were offered when he was sitting in full court with schoffen but when the chief magistrate afterwards came to be no longer appointed by the emperor and was elected by the city itself he still retained these privileges and thus both the immunities of the cities from toll and the ceremonies by which the representatives from worms nuremberg and old bamberg once acknowledged the ancient favour had come down to our times the day before lady day an open court was proclaimed in an enclosed space in the great imperial hall the schoffen took their elevated seats a step higher sat the schultheiss in the midst of them while below on the right hand were the procurators of both parties invested with plenipotentiary powers the actuarius begins to read aloud the weighty judgments reserved for this day the lawyers demand copies appeal or do whatever else seems necessary all at once a singular sort of music announces if we may so speak the advent of former centuries it proceeds from three pipers 
one of whom plays an old shawm, another a sackbut, and the third a pommer, or oboe. They wear blue mantles trimmed with gold, having the notes made fast to their sleeves and their heads covered. Having thus left their inn at ten o'clock, followed by the deputies and their attendants, and stared at by all, natives and strangers, they enter the hall. The law proceedings are stayed. The pipers and their train halt before the railing. The deputy steps in and stations himself in front of the short house. The emblematic presence, which were required to be precisely the same as in the old precedents, consisted commonly of the staple wares of the city offering them. Pepper passed, as it were, for everything else. And even on this occasion the deputy brought a handsomely turned wooden goblet filled with pepper. Upon it lay a pair of gloves, curiously slashed, stitched, and tasselled with silk, a token of a favour granted and received, such as the emperor himself made use of in certain cases. Along with this was a white staff, which in former times could not easily be dispensed with in judicial proceedings. Some small pieces of silver money were added, and the city of Worms brought an old felt hat, which was always redeemed again, so that the same one had been a witness of these ceremonies for many years. After the deputy had made his address, handed over his present, and received from the Schultheis assurance of continued favour, he quitted the enclosed circle, the pipers blew, the train departed as it had come, the court pursued its business, until the second, and at last the third deputy had been introduced for each came some time after the other, partly that the pleasure of the public might thus be prolonged, and partly because they were always the same antiquated virtuosi whom Nuremberg, for itself and its co-cities, had undertaken to maintain and produce annually at the appointed place. We children were particularly interested in this festival because we were not a little flattered to see our grandfather in a place of so much honour, and because commonly on the selfsame day we used to visit him quite modestly in order that we might, when my grandmother had emptied the pepper into her spice-box, lay hold of a cup or small rod, a pair of gloves or an old Reda albus, footnote an old silver coin these symbolical ceremonies restoring antiquity as if by magic could not be explained to us without leading us back into past times and informing us of the manners customs and feelings of those early ancestors who were so strangely made present to us by pipers and deputies seemingly risen from the dead and by tangible gifts which might be possessed by ourselves these venerable solemnities were followed in the fine season by many festivals delightful for us children which took place in the open air outside the city on the right shore of the mine going down about half an hour's walk from the gate there rises a sulphur spring neatly enclosed and 
surrounded by aged lindens not far from it stands the good people's court formerly a hospital erected for the sake of the waters on the commons around the herds of cattle from the neighbourhood were collected on a certain day of the year and the herdsmen together with their sweethearts celebrated a rural festival with dancing and singing with all sorts of pleasure and clownishness on the other side of the city lay a similar but larger common likewise graced with a spring and still finer lindens thither at whitsuntide the flocks of sheep were driven and at the same time the poor pale orphan children were allowed to come out of their walls into the open air for the thought had not yet occurred that these destitute creatures who must some time or other help themselves through the world ought soon to be brought in contact with it that instead of being kept in dreary confinement they should rather be accustomed to serve and to endure and thus it was every reason to strengthen them physically and morally from their infancy the nurses and maids always ready to take a walk never failed to carry or conduct us to such places even in our first years so that these rural festivals belong to the earliest impressions that i can recall meanwhile our house had been finished and that too in tolerably short time because everything had been judiciously planned and prepared and the needful money provided we now found ourselves all together again and felt comfortable for when a well-considered plan is once carried out we forget the various inconveniences of the means that were necessary to its accomplishment the building for a private residence was roomy enough light and cheerful throughout with broad staircases agreeable parlours and a prospect of the gardens that could be enjoyed easily from several of the windows the internal completion and what pertained to mere ornament and finish was gradually accomplished and served at the same time for occupation and amusement the first thing brought into order was my father's collection of books the best of which in calf and half-calf binding were to ornament the walls of his office and study he possessed the beautiful dutch editions of the latin classics which for the sake of outward uniformity he had endeavoured to procure all in quarto and also many other works relating to roman antiquities and the more elegant jurisprudence the most eminent italian poets were not wanting and for tasso he showed a great predilection there were also the best and most recent travels and he took great delight in correcting and completing keisler and nemitz from them nor had he omitted to surround himself with all needful aids to learning such as dictionaries of various languages and encyclopedias of science and art which with much else adapted to profit and amusement might be consulted at will the other half of this collection in neat parchment bindings 
with very beautifully written titles, was placed in a separate attic. The acquisition of new books, as well as their binding and arrangement, he pursued with great composure and love of order, and he was much influenced in his opinion by the critical notices that ascribed particular merit to any work. His collection of juridical treatises was annually increased by some volumes. Next, the pictures, which in the old house had hung about promiscuously, were now collected, and symmetrically hung on the walls of a cheerful room near the study, all in black frames set off with gilt mouldings. It was my father's principle, to which he gave frequent and even passionate utterance, that one ought to employ the living masters, and to spend less upon the departed, in the estimation of whom prejudice greatly concurred. He had the notion that it was precisely the same with pictures as with Rhenish wines, which, though age may impart to them a higher value, can be produced in any coming year of just as excellent quality as in years past. After the lapse of some time, the new wine also becomes old, quite as valuable and perhaps more delicious. This opinion he chiefly confirmed by the observation that many old pictures seem to derive their chief value for lovers of art from the fact that they had become darker and browner, and that the harmony of tone in such pictures was often vaunted. My father, on the other hand, protested that he had no fear that the new pictures would not also turn black in time, though whether they were likely to gain anything by this he was not so positive. In pursuance of these principles he employed for many years the whole of the Frankfurt artists. The painter Hirt, who excelled in animating oak and beech woods and other so-called rural scenes with cattle, Trautmann, who had adopted Rembrandt as his model and had attained great perfection in enclosed lights and reflections, as well as in effect of conflagrations, so that he was once ordered to paint a companion piece to a Rembrandt. Schütz, who diligently elaborated landscapes of the Rhine country in the manner of Sachsleben's, and Juncker, who executed with great purity flower and fruit pieces, still life, and figures quietly employed after the models of the Dutch. But now, by the new arrangement, by more convenient room, and still more by the acquaintance of a skilful artist, our love of art was again quickened and animated. This artist was Zeykatz, a pupil of Brinkmann, court painter at Darmstadt, whose talent and character will be more minutely unfolded in the sequel. In this way, the remaining rooms were finished according to their several purposes. Cleanliness and order prevailed throughout. Above all, the large panes of plate glass contributed towards a perfect lightness, which had been wanting in the old house for many causes, but chiefly on account of the panes, which were for the most part round. My father was cheerful 
on account of the success of his undertaking and if his good humour had not been often interrupted because the diligence and exactness of the mechanics did not come up to his wishes a happier life than ours could not have been conceived since much good partly arose in the family itself and partly flowed from without end of section four